0: Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I'm Jess Vedders, and I am all alone here to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share our favorite hobby. Now, I may not be an expert, but I like to think I have a pleasant voice and a wealth of gaming experience that I'm eager to share with you. My topic today, while I'm on my own, is going to be map making. But before I get into it, let me simply say, the reason you're hearing me and not me and Colin or me and a guest is because scheduling is an absolute nightmare, and I am too timid to ask my range of people that I have at my disposal to be a guest on short notice. So, that being said, give Colin your love and energy while he is away working on his gigantic yearly LARP that I think this year, if I remember correctly, he offhandedly mentioned that there are more people than last year, and last year there were like 40 players, which to me seems absolutely wild. But, with all of that out of the way, let's talk about making a map. Now... If you know anything about me, one of the things that you might have in mind is I really enjoy world building, and part of that for me is getting a physical sense of the space that I'm creating. There have been a few settings that I've had my fingers in from the ground up building them. Uh one of them probably my most successful given how long I played in it, and what I did with it. Uh, As I've mentioned a couple of times before, I used to run a World of Darkness stream that took place in an alternate New York. Now, obviously, I did not create the map for that, but what I did was I established within that map, in the various neighborhoods around the city, uh, 40 or 50 different locations, be they coffee shops, or stores, or little theaters, or apartments, or hospitals, things like that, that I sprinkled into a real-world setting. And that's not necessarily exactly map creation, but it is fleshing out the world in which your players are occupying. And for a lot of players, uh, myself included sometimes, it really helps to be able to equate what you're creating with a real-world space. So this allows them to essentially get a good sense for where things are and what's going on, as long as it's all something that they can equate to their own understanding of. Uh, Now, it's going to be difficult to do this in fantasy settings, but... Especially in something like gothic punk, you know, Unknown Armies, World of Darkness, uh, basically any sort of there are vampires and werewolves and wizards and whatnot story where you're doing it in the real world. Using a city or a state or a country even that your players are familiar with and just sprinkling in your own things on top of that works just fine as far as establishing where you want to get your players playing. And I think it's a really interesting and fun way to twist expectations. Uh, For example, I was playing this game with at least two other people over the course of it. Um, I think three, actually, when it comes down to it, who also lived in New York, and the other players were coming in remote, So I had half of the people who essentially knew basically the city that the setting was built around, and then I had others who didn't. It was kind of a new experience for them, and they were learning about the city through the game, whereas my players who were more familiar with the city itself were learning about the game through the locations. It just made for a really... I'm gonna say interesting again, even though that feels repetitive. You guys know how much I hate repeating words. Uh, it made for a really interesting experience bringing in the gameplay aspect with the world building. But what I really want to get into is making fantasy maps. And when I say fantasy, I don't necessarily mean Tolkienian, swords and sorcery, high fantasy sort of stuff. This can work for science fiction, this can work for modern settings that are just not on Earth as we know it. Anything where you are creating your own map from the ground up. There are, of course, various places online that you can go to that will generate maps for you, and... If you are the type of person who is pressed for time or wants to throw down a subscription fee for the really good ones, because the really good ones require money, of course, then that is a wonderful resource to use. Uh, I will try and find some of them to put in the description of this episode and maybe kick a little bit of traffic towards the ones that I like. But my favorite method for creating a map is basically you take a piece of paper, because you're going to draw on it, and a handful, a handful or a cupful or a whatever full of uncooked rice. And you dump the rice on the paper and move it around. Make a shape out of it, make whatever you want. However it looks is fantastic. And then you take your little pencil or your pen or whatever you want to use and trace the outline of your nice little rice blob that gives you the continent or the landmass or whatever it is that you are making and especially if the rice sort of spreads out in fun ways and you can twist it and push it around so it looks all funky and maybe disconnected so there's some islands off somewhere it can be a really interesting way to randomize your map now This is going to be the point where I really wish that we did this with a visual aspect. But in an audio format, I'm going to try and walk through what to do next as best as I can. Because when it comes to making a map, one thing that you always need to figure out in order to make it at all realistic is how does water flow through your world? This goes for any sort of world building. You need to know where your waterways are because water, at least in terms of things that, as, that live as we understand it, water is the basis of life. It's where it comes from and we need it to keep going. It's why you see major cities on coasts and rivers because water provides food and transportation and all sorts of fun things that make life easier. Now obviously, depending on your setting, and what you want to do with it, maybe you can do that a little differently. Maybe rivers are great, but the oceans are full of horrifying monsters. Maybe the oceans are nice and clean, but in rivers, uh, at night they flow with blood for some magical mythical reason. Whatever works. Go hog wild. It's your world. But you still need to know where this water is. So remember things like... Oh, can't wait to cut that out. Remember things like water flows off of mountains and always toward an ocean. You're not going to have a river that goes from a mountain and into a lake and does nothing or just ends unless that is a, you know, like an interrupted waterway, something like that. If you have the sort of technology in your setting where your inhabitants of your world can affect and adjust the way that water travels, then you have a little more leeway to say, like, well, you know, 500 years ago the map may have looked like this, but now there are dams creating reservoirs and all sorts of funky stuff. Just bear in mind what that might do to the land afterward. Once you have the physical aspects laid out, starting with water and then moving into things like mountains and deserts and forests, which you can indicate as simply or as elaborately as your artistic skill allows you to do, then you can start thinking about, all right, so on this place, where would the people be? What I like to do is spread out cities, basically two days journey from each other like figure out the scale of your map and then say all right here's a major city and then one day's journey around that will be small like support villages and then one day's journey away from that then you can have a new city if you want to spread them farther out that's fantastic but remember when people are traveling it is very difficult to assume that anyone would have the ability, when a city is being founded, to move more than about half a day's travel both ways. Uh, In terms of, like, pre-combustion engine sort of stuff, when people are traveling mostly on foot or by horses, give it, like, 12 miles. Like, 12 miles is about as far as... The average human, and obviously if you're dealing with non-humans, this can change. Uh, It's about as far as the average human would walk to a place to get a thing that they couldn't get at their home and then come back without having to stay overnight. And that's also assuming that people are in very good shape and weather is fine. Think about weather patterns too if you want to because that can really make for... Fun adjustments to your map and your setting? This is kind of becoming more of a treatise on world building, and that's not exactly what I had in mind when I started this, but I really like talking about world building, so yeah, forget it. This episode's about world building in general now, with a basis in map making. Because maps are fun, but you can't really make a map without a world to have the map of. So once you've kind of figured out where settlements would be and how they would be spread out, either in that process or after that process, it's time to start thinking about the cultures around these settlements. So if you've got a place with a whole bunch of little coastal cities that doesn't have a lot inland because there are natural mountain ranges that make it hard to settle, although people do settle around mountains, especially if mining is a major concern, Uh, but they also do still need food and water, so make sure they have support villages and stuff around them in order to provide their food, or you have established some sort of alternate food source. Uh, But then it's time to start thinking about things like national borders. Now... Depending on the level of, uh, how should I put it, Uh, social being, Uh, sure, let's go with that. National borders can be very small and very fractious, like tribal sort of settlements that are all interconnected by familial bonds and just sort of like vague... Ethnic or cultural connectors. Mm. Or they can be large, you know, works of state, sort of more reflective of, you know, medieval Europe or modern America or like whatever you want to do there. Uh, The idea that nations need to be similar to each other in scope, or size, or purpose is one that you should just throw out immediately. Because if you are creating your own world, the only thing you need to worry about is what nations do in relation to each other. So you can have, like, on one side of your continent, or whatever it is that you've created, a conglomeration of tribal structures that have consolidated into a confederacy of still basically sovereign nations... But work together in times of crisis, where on the other side you would have this massive, singular, monolithic culture that has formed itself into a militaristic nation that is very harsh about guarding its own borders, and in the middle of that is this very small but very densely populated trade city-state that facilitates the passage of goods from one to the other while being sort of a military buffer so that these two larger forces on either side of them don't clash. Again, look at your land, look at what you have established, and figure out, one, what kind of people would settle in what kind of places. Because at the end of the day, almost every human civilization, and obviously, again, if you're not dealing with humans... You can play with this however you want, but in the real world, people migrate to more comfortable places 9 times out of 10. And when I say more comfortable, I just mean relative to where they were before. This doesn't mean that people stay in the best possible places, otherwise everyone would live within like 10 degrees of latitude from one another. Because certain parts of the world kind of just suck. But people are still there. Because it's easier to be there than places that are close enough for them to go. But not so far that they would have to, like, literally pack up and move everything for this major journey. When you think about it, modern, and modern is a very loose term here... ...migration events like the Oregon Trail, where people were moving across a fairly vast, especially for the time, landmass that was riddled with untamed lands and mountains and forests and valleys and rivers and all sorts of wild wildernesses. Oh, I'm so good at talking today. Uh, Those are fairly rare. They definitely happen... And you need to think about, alright, when did people go from one place to another? Now also, here's my little secret. If you want to think about all of that world building stuff after you put all your little dots on your map and kind of just make up a story that makes sense with that, that's super fine. Because at the end of the day, if you are making a map for your players or for yourself for fun, I've done that multiple times, People are not going to question too deeply the actual history of everything that you've done. But it definitely helps if you have it in mind to make a more, not necessarily realistic, world. Because realism isn't really what we go for as far as role-playing games tend to be. We don't necessarily need everything to be realistic, we just want it to be logically consistent. And as long as your internal logic is not broken by what you have established and what you're doing, then you've done your job right. And even then, if you do break your internal logic occasionally, then you're just like, oh, yeah, well, people are weird sometimes. Because that happens. It's like, oh, well, this river just kind of peters out in the middle of a desert? That's Odd? What happened there? Oh, uh, 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 wizard. Uh, was doing a big magical experiment and, um, turned this nice lush little marshland into this weird barren desert, and now it doesn't rain around, like, 15 square miles of this space because magic. That's kind of one of the wonderful things about fantasy in general, if you have things that science can't explain, you can use that to explain the shit that's not scientifically accurate. Don't rely on it too much, otherwise it becomes a cop-out and it becomes kind of annoying for anyone who is dealing with your setting or your system. But, if you have the opportunity to, every now and then, a wizard did it is a fine explanation. Um, I just rambled on for about 18 minutes on making maps and building worlds, and I'm going to call that good. Uh, Look forward to a real episode next week, because this is definitely not my favorite thing to do. I'm I'm not crazy about doing these lonely little episodes here, but uh, next time we'll plan better and have something ready to go for you. So, from all of us here at Dodecahedron, thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you on our next adventure. Oh, and also I forgot to mention, uh, sorry for the little supplemental weirdness after the outro, but if you want to contact us and send us an email for something that we can talk about or a question that you might have, email us at dodecapodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr. Those are at dodecapodcast or on Twitter, the one weird one, at podcast dodeca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you on our next adventure for real this time.